On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if Superman and Lois watch Steel's daughter fall from the sky and stick the landing, if the world would be better off if Yondu took T'Challa into space instead of that chump Quill, and what Willie and Sonya from the X-Men Taz podcast think we should watch after we complete X-Men the Animated Series. All of that and more on an all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show in, on the internet that reviews every single live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. That's right, we're keeping it in. I'm in charge. It's in there. Comic book property. What's up? My name is Cassie, and I am back as host. Back in my rightful spot, back where I belong. Everything is all right. I'm sorry I left you all last week. It's all going to be okay, though. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just like... I don't know. I just, I feel bad for leaving you guys in the Did pools. you notice that this show was pretty good and didn't go off the rails that often? It was, it was a show and it didn't go off the rails <laughs> Ouch. as much as I thought. So I am proud of you I guys just for think that. When I think of a comic book property, it's like the Baxter building or the Hall of Justice, which is why we shouldn't put it in there because we don't talk about those ever. I don't know what that means, so throw that argument out of here. I don't care about that. <laughs> Keeping it in. Cassie, what, what is the Baxter building? Um, the building that holds Baxter. Okay, it's where the Fantastic Four work. What's the hall, <laughs> what's the hall of justice? A, a hall that keeps people in line. Okay, you, I, you, from the first one, you have to know that we're talking about superheroes. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, that's where the super friends all live? Who mm-hmm. are the super friends? So us? We the Justice there? League. <laughs> we are the super friends. <laughs> Speaking of super friends, uh, I got Mike and Ryan here. Mike, how's it going? It's going, I mean, I'm a little upset the power is so quickly wrenched from my hands after last week of what people are calling a stellar episode of the Superhero Show Show. This is why uh, you never sit for first class, because then when you have to go back to coach, it's terrible. Mm. No one has ever given me the ability to host, so I don't know what it's like to have power. <laughs> Yeah, last week, just some random, I think it's producer Dave, I've never had a look him in the eye before, handed me a thing of champagne right before the show started, and today, no champagne, yeah. but I see that glass swirling in Cassie's hand. Mm-hmm. And it's really good champagne. Ryan, I'm sorry you've never gotten to taste the champagne. You'll never know. I'm so sorry. You brute. <laughs> That's Ryan. Hi, Ryan. How's it going? Hello. Hello. Mike, you did do a pretty good job last week, though, and I'm sorry that it's going to be hard to like see me back in the reins and see how this can actually should be done. So, um. mm. <laughs> but uh, we do got a big episode. We got a fun one for the main event. We're going to be talking about Superman and Lois, and it was a wild episode. And then you know, pull us talk about all the other things. Ryan, you had a big interview, right? I did. Yeah. I apparently, Cassie, there's another podcast that only focuses on X-Men the Animated Series and other animated series. And oh so we sat down and talked about, why would you do this? Why would you <laughs> dedicate your life to this? And honestly, me and Willie and Sonia, uh, we helped each other out, try and work, like a little therapeutic. Like, why, why, do we, why do we do the things that we do? 
That's good. Uh, at least somebody can help you through this, because I don't think me and Mike just screaming at you always is helping you that much. So I'm glad you have somebody. Shut up and watch more. Watch is what more. We say. Dude, watch it better, bro. Um, but let's oh, go and ahead stay. And- listen to the interview to all the way through. Um, for one of the creepiest things I've ever said in the history of this show. <laughs> Do you realize how high that bar is? The words, the tone. Listen to their reaction. They're like, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited now. <laughs> Well, I wish we could go to that right away, but first we got to talk about Superman and Lois. On the season finale of Superman and Lois, Supes is still on the hunt for Jordan, the Johns start cooking up some weapons to take down Edge, and Lois gets ownership of a newspaper and a new daughter all in one day. Taste buds, I ask you this. How does Superman and Lois do, showing everyone is in a different place than they were uh, in the beginning of the show? I think pretty good because I think this is the perfect amount uh, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that leads us here. But if you look at the end of the episode, this is sort of the perfect amount of everyone is in a slightly different place, but it still can do a sort of reset. You know, like mm-hmm. the start of season two isn't going to be that much crazier on the surface than the start of season one. But we know the characters have grown in very obvious, distinct ways. Yeah, I was thinking about this compared to the other CW shows and... Ollie and Felicity were always kind of the same at the end of every season than in the beginning. Barry and Iris, even more so, uh, do not grow. As they grow beings. into each other. That's it. Like They and, become closer to each yeah. other. Yeah, <laughs> and it grosses everybody else out. <laughs> and this one, I really do think looking at all of our main characters, they look at the world differently than they did in the season premiere. And that, Except for Lois, because she just fucking had her shit together always. But yeah. you, well, Clark is the... Clark and Lois are the main characters. Yeah. You said Oliver is the main character. He said Oliver oh. I'm a main character. <laughs> oh, I'm just, Ryan got I still so miss intense him. to make that fucking point. I just I don't want to be pedantic here. But, <laughs> but like the boys are so different from like they still love each other and get on each other's nerves in the same way, but they what they want out of life is very different from the beginning of the series. Like, yeah, I'm I was just really impressed basically throughout the whole run of the show, how it's very naturally incrementally had them all grow. Do you know what might be cool is if we look at things a little differently. Life is fleeting, and so are TV contracts. And instead of slow playing everything, especially on a network, because we want everything to go seven or eight seasons with 160 or 200 episodes, uh, what if we just be a little bit nervous that it might only be two or three seasons, if you're lucky, right. and tell a fucking story where people move an arc? That's, mm-hmm. that's what I felt. And again, it's not earth-shattering. You know, like They're not that far apart. But they did... Right. Than from when they were, you know, at the beginning of the season. But there is movement, and I appreciate it. And it was just so satisfying, satisfying to have. Like you could tell there was they had this plan from all along. They just told the story they wanted to tell, and like so it ended with not like a huge cliffhanger, but just enough to bring you back, like just a little taste of like a new aspect to bring in. Right. And I was like, this is this is like a good ending. This is and perfect. The the cliffhanger is family drama, yeah. Not the edge is still alive or his little pal Leslie L is getting out of jail. Like it's nope. I have a daughter and like, there's no way I don't owe her some sort of moral momness. Do you wish there was a comic book that was Morgan edges, pal? (laughs) Little Leslie L. Um, Leslie L. (laughs) I thought the cliffhanger was great. Uh, if we, if we want to get to that now, but I, the first thing I thought Mike was, Oh, this is cyborg Superman because Mike told me so. (laughs) <laughs> and that's going to complete the four, right? Yeah. And it was not. It was a little girl. 
It was Natalie. little girl. It was it was little girl. It's gonna be so weird when Jonathan tries to date her. And I mean they do share they are half siblings from another dimension. Another dimension? Another, another dimension. dimension. Another dimension. <laughs> um if we can't there's a lot of like story points that they did really well. But I do want to talk about so the lead kid Jordan or the lead the main kid in this one, I guess. Uh, Jordan, I feel like it was a bold choice to give him the role of having to play two characters for this kid that was probably, for me, I think he's the weakest one out of the group. So to have to see him go from like, was it Zada? Or what's the name of the person that took over? Zeta, Zeta. Yeah, no, because it is like a sorority. It's Zeta, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) But see him go from like Zeta to himself, like with no movement change, just like, cgi in his eyes i was like oh this his is voice different. was different well, his <laughs> voice was different i would say the voice decoder and the red eyes were doing 95 percent of the heavy lifting <laughs> as far as acting goes and he sort of just stood there saying and you could feel him even his body was like are you sure I can, are you sure i just stand here are you sure <laughs> this is all you want me to do okay i felt bad watching it i was like oh don't give this kid this don't make him do this <laughs> I would say that's the biggest difference is Jordan is Jordan flails a lot more. He flails and cries and runs out of rooms and Zeta is real stiff. <laughs> but they did have, I think what else this or what this episode did do well was like the tension was right. Like there was some points where I thought like they might not actually win. Like it was yeah. just enough, even though obviously they got a win, but there was some points where it looked bad enough. I was like, dang, they might not win. What's well, the show going to do? I mean, even if they're win- if, even if we know they're going to win, we're not sure exactly what the dents are going to be or like what the right. what injuries are going to happen, you know. And like, uh, Steel up in space passing out. I don't even know how he came back to life because I thought that motherfucker was dead. Superman yeah. hugged him back to life. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought I thought for so much of it, Steel and Sam Lane were going to die. Like mm-hmm. those were the two I had marked. So yeah, I mean that was and. I, I guess we could have had more injuries and more dents, but still, I think that this show works better when it's the uh, emotional ones. And mm-hmm. I've never seen a show handle a very common thing like they did, which is Steele, John Henry, saying to Lois, I can't fucking be here. You look exactly mm-hmm. like my dead wife. I have to leave because of that. I'm in love with you. And I'm not, <laughs> right. but I am. But I'm not, but I am. And th- when... This kind of thing where you're just around a person who looks the same as somebody from your dimension but is different, believe it or not, we have to deal as viewers with that shit all of the time. And I <laughs> honestly can't think of a time where the show has ever dealt with it in this very realistic way of, right. look at you, you look like her. Yeah. Everybody else is always like, well, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and all of them are like, yeah, you are now like my best friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should leave. I understand. <laughs> Yeah, that's where this show has always shined. And they really brought it home with this finale, too. Because we had that moment where he was like, I just can't. Like, I'm straight up like, I'm in love with you. It's not you, but I'm still in love with you. And then also, what really got me was Lois um, Lois deciding that she would be the one to pull Jonathan out from, like, the mind control. And her reasoning, because, like, she has been pulling him through all the dark moments in his life. Yeah. Like, all through up here. I was like, holy hell. I can't believe they went there. Yeah. And then there's... Yeah, but, sorry. That was another what. Mike. That was another way of doing the normal, like, the power of love bullshit, and it's mm-hmm. all mind puzzles, but because they grounded it in a mother and her son, and that she's always helped him through his depression, like, it all just felt real versus Iris and Barry's lightning rod horse shit. Okay, yeah. we don't... We don't have to trash Iris and Barry with every point that we make. <laughs> every <about> time. <laughs> hey, if legends can do it, we can do it. I thought it was a little... 
Lois's superpower is being a great mom. You know, like mm-hmm. they've been juggling. They've been trying to find that all season is like Lois is a superhero, too. And here's why. Right. Um, right. This one I thought was maybe the lamest because but it, it still worked for the tone of the show. You know, I didn't mm. I didn't really think about it until later uh, while I was watching. I was like, yeah, she should be the one that goes in there. Why not? Right. But yeah, it the- does like they have a good balance of finding like making sure that the people that don't have powers are just as important like her obviously being able to do that and then still making sure that uh jonathan was there as her protector like she never leaves one behind she was always like no he's really stepped up throw a gun in his hand (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, jonathan had a lot of good moments uh the gun in his hand worked i liked the floating brother hug like just showing natural (laughs) brotherly love doesn't also happen a lot on tv that brothers can get along Mm -hmm. uh and when they're making like those solar weapons, the Johns. And he's like, yeah, go get the weapons you borrowed or whatever. And he unloads so many guns. Like he is shaking from the weight. And you could tell Steel had no idea how much this kid had lifted off of his truck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's like if a kid asks you like, hey, can I borrow a book that you own or something? Like they're going to take 100 or 150. Like they're yes. just going to keep taking. Uh, or can I have a little bit of food from the cupboard? Um, the other one, though, is, like you had mentioned, Sam Lane, who did not die, but instead retired to be a grandfather. Yeah. Uh, is anybody mm-hmm. buying this shit? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> it's going to be worse. He's going to be more in there, up there shit. And also, him in jeans and a t-shirt was unsettling. It was uh-huh. fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> they cannot do that. Just casual grandpa drinking beer. I was like, this ain't him. This ain't it. Just like, if you'll excuse me, I see some brisket calling my name. I was like, what are you? You're not a real, (laughs) you're not a normal human, dude. What are you doing? (laughs) If you're not talking about blowing up a country, like you can't have a sentence. (laughs) Excuse me. I I too enjoy a Corona light. Like what the (laughs) fuck? I would like to murder a brisket as well. (laughs) But then, so yeah, that was one they didn't get wrong, and then or didn't get right, and another one they did so bad at is fucking Kyle. What Kyle, fucking Kyle, you guys. We they need a did. drop. It's time for us to have a drop. <laughs> like when Superman Lois comes back, we're gonna have Kyle Corner, where we don't say anything until the drop hits, and it's just it's very clearly, even though you're just listening to the drop, it's very clearly a guitar riff played, recorded in front of a barbecue. <laughs> He fu- yeah, we it, he gets a triumphant barbecue at the end, so he grew the least. He didn't learn less. I guess he learned not to be a drunk piece of shit, and, but and not he not to play the guitar in front of the barbecue. Yeah, yeah. Now he just now he just points at people with his tongs. <laughs> oh, God. But he had a full savior redemption. Like they, I thought not yes, to me. <laughs> the moment the joy i thought i was experiencing when i thought they blew up kyle in that building was like and then to have it crash down and have him carrying an old lady out of the burning building away from the explosion i literally was so pissed at this show i've I'm, never felt more anger it went full slow motion with like mm-hmm. orchestra hits yeah yeah i hope that he is drunk and surly in season two premiere and it was all sarah is and Sarah's, they never moved to Smallville. No, that Sarah's like, Dad, I thought you changed. And Lana's like, oh, honey, people don't actually yeah. change. Like that's, that's the moral of the story. And she serves him divorce papers and we move on. And then he air guitars. I can't, they didn't even <laughs> give him an air guitar in the barbecue. Is the most absurd thing. He was actually cringier at the barbecue than Sam Lane was because he brings over the ribs or whatever. And he's like, yeah, super ribs for my super friends. Yeah. Uh, I'm like freaking out. And then Lois is like, you got to give me this recipe. And he's like, 
well, it's a family secret. But for you, and then like starts tapping her shoulder, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you for sure. It's like, fucking buddy, calm down. You saved one w- person from a fire. We've all done that before. <laughs> You're still a drunk father piece of shit. You, you, one of your daughters, we barely even know because you don't yeah, even she's just care gone about gone all she's the time. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to run over and force a drink into his hand just to bring him back. Um, but where it did, it got, it, it won me back at the end again because they had Clark, um, you know, talk to the newspaper and like have almost a press conference or just like a debriefing on yeah. it where he admits, you know, he was like, you know, it was Kryptonians and like they ask him like, are you afraid of like this reputation and what it will do to you where it will make people afraid of you? And I just thought I was like real happy that they re-brought this back up again. Yeah, it was, it was, I don't know, Superman properties have this thing of giving these speeches about how great humans are and Americans are. Um, it's sort of typical, but this one was really good because I liked his honestly, honesty. He was, she was like, don't you think people are going to be scared of you? And he was like, I don't give a fuck. Or like, that yeah, I, he's like, I can't control. I that. can't do anything about that. All I can do is do my best. They'll do the same. And this is, by the way, this is after we officially, officially find out that there was no mind control or anything over the citizens of Smallville. They were just being yeah. assholes. They were just being small town assholes, because that's real America. And there you was know some, how it is. there was some line in the speech that hit directly towards Trump fans and non-vaxxers. But I think the show also gave us how we could solve it: is uh, Lana and her friend, I think Emily, who was against them because Kyle also was mind controlled, uh, and so Emily hated the the Langs. Uh, she's like, we drank a box of wine yeah. and cried a lot, and now we're okay. <laughs> drink it, drink it. <laughs> That's in. all we got to do with our MAGA family members, guys. It's Give them be liquor. A box of wine. <laughs> but yeah, overall, I I thought it was a great it, uh, finale, especially for the first, first season. I've really enjoyed this. Um, do you guys think they stuck the landing? I mean, yeah. I'll say this. I'll, I don't think I've ever said this about a show before, but I dipped in and out throughout the season, um, and I feel like I'm going to go back over the hiatus and oh, find the ones that I've missed. What? They actually Dang. add unnecessary superhero TV time to my schedule because I thought this was a really, really strong first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, Mike, that's uh, that's all the time we have to talk about Superman and Lois, but I have saved some time to talk about a website, your big idea. It's your time to shine. Tell us about your website. My website is called geodecities.com. And it's where you can buy all the geodes you want. Those are rocks? The Pokemon? Trick trick your friends into thinking you gave them a rock, but you open it up and it's just a crystal that will have to sit on a shelf somewhere. They're coming back. Everything works in cycles. Geodes used to be big. They're going to be big again. And so I want people to be able to... You get to customize your geodes. In the 90s, you could buy clear fish and have them dyed neon. So Geode Cities lets you customize what kind of rock you want. And so... Uh, it, it's going to be very interactive to change the shape and the, the clarity and the color of your geode. So you're getting them a rock, but it's not the rock they thought, and that's the trick? Well, no, because a geode, before you crack it open, is just like a fucking rock. Okay. I got one in my stocking as like an eight-year-old, and I thought it was a piece of coal and started to cry, and then <laughs> <laughs> my stepdad was like, smash it on the ground, and I smashed it, and it was a geode. I was like, oh, that's cool. Is he? Okay. <laughs> so Okay. Is he like, or was he sort of, I don't know, did he miss out on obvious things or was that a joke that he would put something that looks like a piece of coal into his side I hope stocking? that it's a joke. <laughs> Honestly, 
I didn't see the purpose of this until I realized it's therapy for you. So um, I'm just I'm gonna point you out to no, jeans <laughs> are cool. <laughs> They're so cool. They're good for your mental health as well. So Mike, uh, if you're gonna make this website, I want you to go to cybersprout.net, okay? Because I don't think okay. you I don't think you can make it the website that this deserves. But they'll help you out. They got premium hosting that's built for WordPress. They handle security, maintenance, backups, and speed integration. They're gonna work hand in hand with you. So whatever photos you want of those rocks. They'll put it in there. You tell them you want a different angle, they'll do that, okay? They got you. They focus on collaboration and goal-driven design. Cybersprout.net. But that's it for that. (laughs) (laughs) So your friends, everybody should check them out. Uh, Coming up next, it's time for our pull list. We are back for the pull list where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. First show starting it off is What If... The second episode of What If brings us an even what ifier tale than last week. If the first episode was kind of just the first Avenger with Peggy instead of Steve, the second episode, in which Yondu's Ravagers kidnap T'Challa instead of Peter Quill, steers wildly off the course of any movie we've seen before. T'Challa forms a gang, including Yondu, Nebula, her fucking father, (laughs) and a fanboy Karath, and set out to steal from the Collector. Taste buds, I ask you this. What were the changes in jokes and creative ideas that made this second episode even more reassuring than the first? They really pinned the difference between Peter Quill and T'Challa as humans, like Mm -hmm. the strength of their will. The whole universe is a better place if they grab T'Challa. Yeah. Peter Quill really is just a dirtbag. The stock on Quill was so low ever since he let Thanos keep the gauntlet. Yeah. Because he had a little baby tantrum. And now... Quillstock is at an all-time low. <laughs> all time. Yeah, what a was, moron! It's insane having how much it elevates everything. Just having T'Challa be like the focus of it. Like it literally, no matter where he went, everybody was like, "You're our savior!" Like, thank you so much. Like, the coolest thing was the change from their motto to being like, um, "Nothing is worth more than the good you can do with it." And I was like, "Fuck yeah! I'm all about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is great." Well, it was all about the Karath. Like, just watching yeah. him go from like. Your name is Star-Lord, you're an idiot, to, oh my god, it's T'Challa. Oh, can you please sign an autograph for me? (laughs) And I love that actor always plays like stoic badassism, and having him be able to freak out and fanboy was awesome. Mm -hmm. It also reminded me of something else, and I couldn't put my finger on it until towards the end of the episode, but it was also, and this is obviously has to do with it being animated, right? I understand Mm -hmm. that. But there was a Disney sort of presence to this guy. Like, this seemed like a character... Uh, a side character from like Mulan or yeah. mm-hmm. something, you yeah. know, like it, it was that kind of comedy. Somebody who would follow around Gaston, mm-hmm. uh, right? It was the most <laughs> Disney princess movie aspect of any Marvel property I'd ever seen before, and it didn't bother me. I'm just pointing no, that out. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so much of it, like they they allowed everybody to stretch. Like we said, the first episode, everybody was basically who they were, just in a slightly different position. But like having Karen Gillan be able to like. Nebula is now a Bond girl, like uh, a femme fatale who calls him Cha-Cha. Like, I would watch the shit out of a series just about this group. That Cha-Cha was like MJ saying Tiger level. Hello. hello. They have done the Cha-Cha before. (laughs) But yeah, that was like to have this group of like, you know, um, Ravagers be this little fucked up family, this found family that's working to be better was, is so up my shit that I was like loving this episode. Like the, this one was so much better than the first one. And T'Challa 
lives as Star Lord the way we play D and D, which is oh, you're supposed to be the big bad. You're on our team now. Yeah. <laughs> Where they're like, oh yeah, him and Thanos had a talk, and he talked him out of killing half the universe. <laughs> What a universal reference that was, Mike, referring to the D&D <laughs> game that me and you are in. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm still struggling with my play, What If's place in the world and my place mm-hmm. with it because I was under the impression that What If is sort of like a Twilight zone be careful what you wish for because uh-huh. this interesting thing you know, that maybe you, you thought you wanted is actually not what you want and it's worse. And that's not the case with this episode. Um I thought that it was doing a good job saying like, okay, if if T'Challa gets picked up, then it's better for the galaxy, but far worse for at least Wakanda because Wakanda died. Wakanda right. was murdered because T'Challa wasn't there. And I thought that was really powerful, but that right. was just a tiny lie. And I'm not saying that it's it's still a really fun time and it's very interesting to watch these premises play out, but that impact of what happens when, mm-hmm. you know, a stone skips this way instead of this way or a butterfly, just to pick a random animal, uh, flies this way instead of this way. That's not really there with this show so far. Yeah, it truly is. They're just like, what if this happened? Instead of, like you said, having any teeth into it. And Yondu gets forgiven for lies a little too easily, I think, throughout his life. <laughs> but you know what? There's this thing with the franchise with certain characters like Yondu and Nebula where... They'll j- they're just gonna be good eventually. Yeah. Like I don't know if it's the actors playing them or there's something about how the character is written, but I feel like no matter how many paths there are, no matter how many dimensions, we just would rather have Yondu and Nebula and a lot of characters like that good instead of bad. Mm-hmm. I it did make me wish we had good Thanos because good Thanos is like a big dumb oaf. I love, <laughs> like, I and love I you and both Thanos. Like, I'm all about it. <laughs> if we if we did like gasp moments like we're going to do for X Men. When he came up and he was like, what's up, guys? My friends. I yeah. <laughs> I shit a little bit. Yeah. There was that. And then um, we also have to talk about, we had Himbo Thanos. We also got Beefcake Collector. And be- I wasn't ready mm-hmm. for Beefcake Collector. Like, having him just be this beefy man was a whole different dynamic. And, like, well, how, how was that for you guys? Based on the first two episodes, we now realize that there's stuff that CGI can't do that animation can. One is mm-hmm. make Captain America whether it's Peggy or Steve, just absolutely decimate pilots in the sky. And to make Benicio Del Toro fit, just yeah. so fit. Instead of looking, he, his normal, he is always bent in half and like spidery. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what if Benicio Del Toro knew how to stand up straight? Is the true what if on this? <laughs> I take these premises very seriously, which means that he was only bent and spidely because Yandu picked up Peter Quill. Yes. And picking up T'Challa put the collector into some sort of workout regime that really worked for him. <laughs> well, it's because he used to just be like this very enigmatic, I'm going to collect things because it's sort of fun. And now he's like, and I'm going to, Thanos is not the big bad, so somebody has to be. Yeah. Uh, and evil guys got to be fit. And that, I mean, that says a lot about uh, the power of vacuum, you know, how yeah. no matter what, you know, you can't just wipe out the leader of a drug cartel. You know, it's, yeah, there will always be a tyrant to rise. This also had one of my favorite things ever, which is pull out a trunk of weapons and see what he picks up. And the fact yeah. that he picked up Hella's helmet, yeah, her helmet, oh, spectacular! Just and had the really, whole like got that, yeah, he boost even did of that cocaine mm. that yeah. uh, <laughs> Kate Blanchett got as well. Yeah, Ugh. he was fucking feeling himself in that, and I was like, I'm here for <laughs> beefcake, I'm here for it. And then we, uh, 
yeah, we don't have a lot of. Uh, they still kept like some references and stuff with there, which the collector always has to have. So we got Howard the Duck, and Howard the Duck had more of a cameo in this one than I thought they were gonna give him. Like, was this like yeah. a cool moment for you guys, or did it feel like unnecessary? I love Howard the Duck, and I hate Seth Green, so it yeah. was yeah, was it was a mixture. <laughs> well, imagine uh, like my wife thought that it was Jason Manzukis. Does that change oh, it for you? That would yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing then. <laughs> And then, yeah, so at the end, we got to talk about how this was um, did the very ending with the In Memoriam to Chadwick Boseman. Was that just a fucking punch to the gut? It's so weird that just text on a black screen could make you feel so many things. So, yeah. <laughs> like whether it's Chadwick Boseman or uh, coming soon, the Dark Phoenix. Just such powerful, <laughs> powerful. No matter what, it's tears. <laughs> um, honestly, the thing that hit hardest was when he turned around or took his face mask off and talk to Korath mm-hmm. like right away you could just tell yeah. that that was him yeah. it was, and like the voices that they get from this and I know that they've mostly been played about what voices didn't come back or what actors didn't right. come back but like Carrie Coon my favorite actress yeah. working today signed up for two lines and said those lines as Proxima Midnight but as soon as uh, T'Challa Lord picked up his, or lifted up his mask I like I was like it's, it's gonna be okay and yeah. and like it's obviously always going to be sad that he died so young, but uh, after they filmed this, they had like a big, him and Kugler had a big talk with Feig, and they're like, the fun, let's put, like, T'Challa's not a fun guy. Let's inject some of that levity he got in this cartoon and in the next movie. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hell yeah, the tone is going to change a little. And then now it's just, uh, you know, not. The other thing they said in that conversation, though, I don't know why, was that uh, Chadwick Boseman wanted Mike Richards to be the host of Jeopardy. And I don't know if that hurts his legacy or not, but. It's what he wanted. It's what the man wanted. <laughs> he actually thought it was Michael Richards, uh, which doesn't make it better. No. What a terrible name to have. <laughs> All right. We're almost out of time, so let's go to moments of the week. Mike, what do you got? Uh, it was a running joke, but I'm going to say the first time we hear it is uh, just we're getting the Ravagers all like hanging out, eating lunch or whatever. And you just have somebody say, pretty sure it's still genocide, big guy. Yeah. <laughs> that Thanos is still like, but I'm just saying hypothetically, pretty good plan, right? Like, I mean, this is mine too. And like, if we're being honest, no, if we're being biased, uh, this is like one of the biggest plot points in the history of cinema. And here it's just played off. Like they're doing the big camera going around the everybody hanging out in Wakanda at the very end. And he's like, mm-hmm. it would have only been half, okay? It would have been half. Uh, there's probably five Thanos lines like that. And I can't believe yeah. that they just... I mean, imagine having Hitler five times in an alternate dimension movie just being like, no, I think it's a good idea. He's just very tongue-in-cheek <laughs> yeah. and isn't it? Oh, 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 funny. No, hear me out. Yeah, no, this is obviously the ma- the moment of the week, but the one that really, it was the final one in Wakanda when they went back to that joke for like the fifth time. And this time yeah. he was like, no, but hear me out. It's random. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's no. not genocide because I'm not doing it to any one specific group of people on purpose. <laughs> We're fine here. All right, that's all the time we have to talk about. What if it is Wednesdays on Disney Plus. Our next show is Riverdale. On this week's episode of Riverdale, we finally, after years of demanding and screaming for it, get Hiram's origin story. Turns out Hiram started <laughs> as a shoe shiner with his dad, who eventually got involved in the Riverdale gang and gave him a taste for crime and murder. Instead of following in Hiram's footsteps, Reggie takes the out offered to him and goes to sell cars on his dad's lot. Taste what I ask you? The career of a car salesman is essentially just another form of a gang, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. 
like almost I would say worse like it seemed it's like proposed as like a you know a whole new life for Reggie but like this is the worst path he could have took legal Look, the, le- the legal criminals that exist are car salesmen and dentists <laughs> number one dentist fuck dentist all right Riverdale's Wednesdays on the CW our next show is Legends of Tomorrow on this week's episode of Legends of Tomorrow the gang has to travel throughout time with no screens on which means they have no choice but to play Gary's murder mystery board game. Constantine takes it a step further by magically dressing them up and putting them inside the board game, which everyone seems super stoked about, but would have made me a little mad if we're being honest. Meanwhile, Kayla is back, but before we get to mixed hairdo, let's get to the smoking elephant in the room. The back half of this episode is sending Constantine to some new levels. We haven't loved the direction of John this season, Mike. Did this... Ep- taste, uh, taste Mike, I see this. Did this episode change things? It... I mean, it's dealing with it now directly, and it's showing people who are close to him have started to be noticing what's going on. So I did like that. Uh, I liked Bayrod the whole time being like, nobody's going to call this out. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's another example of Legends not doing the typical TV thing, which is Bayrod hates John, so now everyone hates Bayrod. And he straight up yeah. says to Zari, too, he says, no, I love him. I'm Bayrod. I love everyone. Yeah. I'm saying recently he's acted weird and i thought that was such an amazing bit of honesty for one tv character to have to the other yeah and is it bayrod who says i'm not blaming the magic i'm blaming you for abusing it oh i don't remember that i, th- I think he said he's the one who says it because he's the only one who's calling it all out and he's saying this whole clue jumanji is bullshit isn't that harsh to say to an addict i guess but he, i guess at this point they don't know he's an addict they don't think he's being an asshole they don't think he's an addict they think he's a basement there's oh yep. There's always uh, that step before you realize the person has a issue. A disease. You think the issue is they're a dickhead. <laughs> um, but I do agree with you. It, I I think that it seemed directionless. And maybe if we went back and watched those previous episodes, we'd be like, oh, it was doing a really good job building. We just weren't yeah. picking up what it was putting down. Um, unlike any ska band that's ever existed. But now. <laughs> Now we sort of see... I think this episode really ties stuff together. It's still not my favorite plot line. Right. But uh, it makes sense why they've been spending so much time with this. And we've been saying for weeks now, Constantine's the bad guy. Right. And he he is and he isn't, right? Because we see Constantine is the true beast, but he's talking to Constantine. And evil Constantine, and who knows if it's the drug magic or not, is saying, dude, I've always been in you. Mm-hmm. But now you gave me more power because of how you cheated to get more magic that classic but newer spider-man thing of did the spider give you powers or did it unlock the power already inside of you Mm -hmm. uh okay so let's get to mick and kayla uh kayla is back (laughs) as we know this is probably going to be mick's reason for leaving right and i don't know of anything else to talk about that's more important than mick having hair what did what did that do to you (laughs) so much more unsettling than Sam Lane in t-shirt, ten and jean is saying Mick Rory with a full John Lennon Beatles yeah, wig. I was going to say, was it Beatles or was it Mo from the Three Stooges? <laughs> it was Mo saying, "Oh, yellow submarine in it." <laughs> and I feel like they're like, "Okay, uh, guy who plays Mick, you can leave. We are going to make you look so fucking dumb. You're under contract, you motherfucker." <laughs> Well, it sounds like that was the biggest moment. Um, are we ready to go to moments of the week? Yeah. All right. Ryan, what was yours? I'm 
we're I know we're down on Gary, but I'm always a big fan. And this is probably more CGI than anything, but I'm always a big fan of when uh so to give context, Gary is attacked by what is known as lefty, uh a, t- uh-huh. a tentacle, uh <laughs> just a disarmed tentacle. And um when you're attacked by some as an actor, when you're attacked by something small, it's your job to pick it up and make it seem like it's attacking you. <laughs> and I always love that style of acting. I don't know if there's an acting school or a class that you can go to of like uh, you know, the, uh, somebody throws a rat at you, and then you have to pretend like the rat is attacking you. But uh, mm-hmm. Gary does a pretty good job. Yeah, it's a workshop in LA. Uh, it only happens once a year over a weekend, and Jim Carrey teaches it. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, what about you? Uh, before they get sucked into the game, Ava and Sarah have decided they were going to fucking plan their wedding for three weeks, ignore everybody else. That's how they'll get through it. And good plan. Uh, but they're making the guest list, and Ava straight up says. Barry and Iris cannot be invited to their wedding. (laughs) And I loved it. This is not Mike once again jamming in how much he hates Barry and Iris into the conversation. (laughs) This is Ava doing that exact same thing that Mike always does. They just share this hobby, okay? (laughs) Uh, Legends of Tomorrow is on Sundays on the CW. Our next show is Titans. This week on Titans, Dick digs up Jason's grave to confirm he's really the Red Hood. Hank goes off alone to handle the kid and ends up with a bomb in his heart, while Dove and Dick run around Gotham trying to solve the problem separately. It all goes to shit when Dove, the so-called peace-loving titan, uses a gun Jason planted to shoot him, and it was actually the detonator. What? Taste buds, I ask you this. (laughs) How obvious is it that the person behind Jason is the other new character of the season, the Hannibal Lecter-esque stoner scarecrow, played by Vincent Carthizer? So obvious. It's it's and the the whole the uh, th- when they're not running around trying to solve Red Hood's puzzles, all they're saying is like, "But Jason's not a planner. This is crazy that there's all these puzzles. You know what? Let's go talk to the Scarecrow who's been arrested and is giving us hints about things. Let's go talk to <laughs> let's go talk to Scarecrow, one of Gotham's six or seven puzzle planners that we have yeah. in jail right now. <laughs> it it is definitely a weird take on Scarecrow, who is just like an older, angry hippie. Like, he preferred Altamont to Woodstock is the vibe from, and that it's Pete, it's Pete, it's Pete Campbell. Pete Campbell. And what's even weirder is they, they haven't said what, but he had several written warnings. Yes. I don't know if he got too into the role as Scarecrow, but he had several written warnings. And by the end of the season, uh, WB sent execs to just have to, they had to sit there and watch him like supervised visitation oh, rights. Apparently no he went, yeah, it was another letto from... Yeah, Suicide Squad, um, and just a real, real piece of shit. Mm. G- Such a weird, good for Pete Campbell <laughs> role to do that with, and who you are as a person to do that. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I had to throw my life away for Scarecrow. Okay, bro. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this is the you, so Hawk is dead. Yeah, they so they they in, they plant a bomb. They did find out that Bruce Wayne had. R&D from Wayne Tech building these weird heart bombs. So I, once again, proving that this Bruce is not a great guy. Uh, there's no version of heart bombs that you can say I'm a hero. Well, and unless you're an 80s pop star, because yeah. heart bomb would be a dope song. <laughs> that is a great song. Uh, so Connor, Superboy, is like building a, a, another one. I think the plan is for him to Indiana Jones it. Uh, if it's the same frequency, they're, they're, there's all these things. And right before he does, the bomb blows up because Dove decides to kill this traumatized child that they used to be friends with. It is one, uh, we lost one of the biggest douchebags on the show. And the internet is sad. People seem to like this guy, which is crazy. This guy 
only plays a smarmy douche because look at his face. And his, they were like, we've got to figure out how to help Jason. Let's work together as a team. And he went off and went, no, I'm going to kill this child. And so I say Hawk got what was coming to Hawk. <laughs> uh, let's go to moments of the week. Mike, what do you got for it? Was it the uh, child murder? No, no, there was no child murder. <laughs> the child tricked somebody into murdering their lover. So oh, that was pretty perfect, dope. Perfect. Uh, but it was this whiny little Jason Todd. They're like, what happened to you? And he goes, I grew up. <laughs> like still, he's so whiny and like, the world should be on my side. Uh, and I laughed my, I'm still going to keep watching for some reason. Like I am enjoying this season more than in the past, but it's so funny to try to turn this annoying Moppet into, it's like if, uh, what was his name? Bodie? Yes. From Lock and Key, if yes. Bodhi was suddenly the villain. Like, that's oh, what it feels man. like. You have somehow convinced me. I, like, now I want to watch this just to witness this, but then also it's Titans. So I don't know if I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, based on Mike, you talking about it so far, and I think this is your job that when, if stuff dies down and less, there's less stuff to watch, I'm in for an episode just to yeah, watch this cheese. Yes. Yeah. You've done it. Uh, if Mike convinced you and you want to watch it, it's Thursdays on HBO Max. Our next show is Stargirl. In summer school, chapter two, Courtney is suspicious of the new orphan guest, Jenny, because she is too perfect and makes too good of pancakes. But after a good stepdad chat with Pat, Courtney accepts Jenny and helps her become one with the lantern. Meanwhile, Sydney tries to put herself back into her stepmom's life, but Eclipso takes over and kills her stepmom. Also, just to spice things up a bit, the last Injustice League member, The Shade, is in town, and he's here to collect magic items. Taste Buds, I ask you, did you guys accept Jenny as a part of the team by the end of this episode? I, as a character, yeah. I, like, it made sense to me that Yolanda, who's, like, one of the moodier teens, one of the moodier girls, Rick is definitely the moodiest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um... Is like, yeah, Courtney, no matter what, I'll fight for, I'll be on your side, I guess. I don't care. And then after 10 minutes or two minutes of Jenny talking, she's like, fuck yeah, Jenny, let's do this. I want some of those pancakes and I want to see you play with that lantern. <laughs> what, um, like, it felt good. This was uh, the first time I got to go back to Stargirl uh, since, you know, we were, we were on break with it. And um, to see them immediately open to how little they care about children and how much they'll dunk on children with Jenny being kicked out of the orphanage in the middle of the night. On her birthday. (laughs) This scene is crazy. (laughs) Literally, the middle of the night, there's no like social service person there and it's on her birthday and they're like, fuck it, go out in the world, orphan. Insane. But the orphanage runner, the leader, the queen of the orphanage, Mm -hmm. uh, is like, look, you're 18 and we need the room and that part makes sense but then at the end she's like also you're fucking annoying like yeah why why are you such a dumb bitch way to kick a person when they're down you're annoying because you're so good at everything you try real hard (laughs) clearly uh oh you're an orphan and so you try real hard to get people to like you people fucking hate it fuck you jenny (laughs) fuck you also here's a tin can that might mean something to you it looks like garbage to me and she was like this is connected to my brother i don't fucking know get out from my porch i don't give a shit (laughs) Do you know what, though? My problem with Jenny, though, so far is, I think, and it's only been, like, a little more than one episode, right? An mm-hmm. episode plus five minutes, is that her performance so far is a little meek for this show. Yeah. Um, Yolanda has this sort of, uh, she, on this corner of, like, she can go quiet and moody, but she can still burst out. Beth has meek aspects, but they're always at 11, so that mm-hmm. she's never really that meek. Jenny is a little too quiet, a little too mousy to hang with this group. And hopefully some aspects of her personality besides 
she's Monica Geller from Friends start to pop out. Yeah. Well, it, it's she's a foil in a way to Courtney because she she hits those energy beats. Some it's Courtney's going to see how she can annoy people, right? Because she fucking hates Jenny, and it's just because. Uh, I think it's Pat who says it. She's everything. No, Courtney says she's everything I should be. Mm-hmm. And Pat says she's everything you were because you were lost and didn't know. Fucking Pat, and man. Pat, Pat rules. <laughs> Pat and is obviously the best. Courtney, uh, Jenny's going off on how Pat is basically a celebrity. To which Courtney says, <laughs> okay. like was that the moment like i when she said stripesy is like a legacy or something like that or some legend a legend i was like this is when i was like oh she's a bad person like (laughs) (laughs) she's trying to worm her way in yeah but at any point did you think like i didn't expect her to stay good like i thought she was a bad like gonna be our next villain to like match up with cindy was it Uh, and i mean she leaves at the end of the episode she still could yeah I don't know. I I I, I didn't get that. Uh, I did. I think the reason I didn't get that is because they had this classic version of the scene where Courtney's waking up in the morning, and it's almost like uh, it's a Wonderful Life or something, where the entire world has changed. Mm-hmm. And this is the morning after the fight, and the parents are like buzzing around the house, happy. They're in this great yeah. mood. Uh, the kitchen's all fixed. It's all from Courtney's point of view as she wanders through her house in a completely different house now that yeah. uh, Magic Jenny is there. I thought that was well done. Who managed to fix the counter or the table? Like the I didn't table, know they, yeah. te- they teach woodworking at the orphanage, but she could do it all. <laughs> um, That's what's annoying about it. Yeah. She can do it all, <laughs> but don't tell her she's got everything. Oh, this don't you dare! Orphan who has no money and not a family member to her name. <laughs> But speaking of, so that's when, like, you know, her the lantern is tied to her emotions. So when she starts to freak out, it starts to explode and she absorbs the power of the lantern. Do you guys know what this could mean? Like, can she change shapes now? Like, where do you think this is now that she is the lantern? I'm not totally sure. Uh, yeah, she she's able to make a quick, tiny car, like, <laughs> uh, with a lantern. Yeah. A I don't good e- car, though. I don't know if it's functional, though. I don't I don't understand a lot of the lantern's powers. Uh, sorry, I skipped that when I was in college, when I was learning about other things, like banging <laughs> girls. Jesus, get off my ass. But uh, I think that now, with newer lanterns in the comics, you do sort of become one with them. And so you sort of just fly instead of relying on the ring to fly you around. Mm-hmm. I think that is okay. more commonplace. Okay. And it, it's interesting, like because Alan Scott, who's the original Green Lantern, has a totally different backstory and power set than... The modern Green Lanterns we think of, and it seems like they're kind of blending all of it into one. Yeah, which very I, wisely they're going. You know what? That's all dumb bullshit. Right. I mean, <laughs> pick and sh- use it as a salad bar. Pick and choose what yeah. you want, and then that also makes it original. You know, like right. You're doing. You're cutting all the stuff you don't need or want, and then also it seems like it's an original story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go, I do want to talk about um, Cindy and Eclipso taking over her because I feel like this is going to be a storyline that's possibly going to get devastating. So when like Eclipso completely took over and killed her stepmom, like this is where one this actor uh, Meg DeLacy fucking killed it going between these yeah. two, and then also like this is a storyline where I think they might actually like do some shit with. Yeah, her Cindy like saying this is my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. Like you said, she killed it because it could come off very after-school special, yeah. but instead it came off horrifying yeah. that this genie she thought would help her is going to trick people into trying to kill her so it can kill them. Yeah, uh, It was disturbing. I mean, you can you can see in your eye 
how that would come off if they were trying to make a message show. If it was like, mm. it's my body and it's my choice. And like her delivery of that, if it was supposed to be a message show, it would have been so different than the budding supervillain delivery that we got. Mm-hmm. She's losing her mind. Everyone is losing their mind. Yeah. Right. And then we also, that like, it's crazy how much more excited I am for that story. Like, did, were you guys, did you care at all about this new Injustice member, The Shade? Like, he doesn't seem intimidating to me. Like, this dude I, is just collecting magic items at this point. Like, devil sticks and things like that? Yeah, you yeah. know, devil sticks, top Those hat, Those fake rabbits. thumbs to hide <laughs> cloth. <laughs> He's a dick bag. Like, I want him to get punched yeah. in the face. I don't know yeah. how important that is. Go back to Downton Abbey, <laughs> the shade. <laughs> you fucking nerd. But yeah, I don't know if I care too much at this point about this one, so we'll see how intimidating they can make the shade. Well, in- I like it's. I'm not concerned about him, but Pat is. And that was yeah. such right. a big deal for like Pat to figure it out and just sneak into that booth and do the detective work and just be like, hey, I'm a hick. Hillbilly, uh, I just I just have some questions, and every time Shade would answer a question, you could see Pat going like, "Oh my God, this is Shade. This is Shade." <laughs> All right, we are almost out of time. Let's go to moments of the week, Mike. What do you got? It, it is that moment Ryan just talked about. It's Pat fake tripping over the Shade's cane, and then being small town oh, what? yokel, and then sitting down, and the Shade being like, "Oh no, please do," and Pat just playing up what he looks like and sounds like to annoy this guy to get info it was awesome. Yeah. Real Wolverine sneaking into the Friends of Humanity. You got to play <laughs> up your strengths. Uh, Ryan, what's your moment of the week? I had a couple. The first one is Zeke, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, everyone is just letting him do work on the robot. And he, <laughs> this guy's amazing. All the children are in the garage when Zeke shows off the blowtorch that the robot now has. <laughs> yeah. And everyone just goes nuts. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, blowtorch. But the real moment of the week is Courtney quitting, saying she's going to put the cane away or the staff away for a while and pat says actually there's a bad guy in town and courtney's fucking reaction was amazing just mm-hmm. trying to be cool about the fact that there's a vi- like a, a murderous villain in the town she lives but cannot contain her giddiness and <laughs> explodes everywhere yeah yeah that's my moment of the week too is her screaming i'll get my staff like jumping up and down <laughs> squealing i'll get my staff right after that um, but this was also my first introduction to Zeke and, uh, I, I can't, the fact that they showed just like 30 seconds of like, Hey, this thing has a flamethrower now. We'll deal with that later. I just needed it in this episode <laughs> is amazing. <laughs> um, you should be watching Stargirl. It is Tuesdays on the CW. That is it for our pull list, which means it's now time for Extaz. Welcome to Eggs Tasmania, bitch, a mini show within a show where we take an in-depth episode-by-episode look at Fox's seminal and underrated early morning soap opera from the mid-90s X-Men the Animated Series. This episode of Eggs begins right where last week's left off. The X-Men are in the Morlocks tunnels with Yuriko and the Reavers and a green wispy light alien that comes out of the ship to start eating souls. The rest of the X-Men get called off their dates to help with the problem, and Xavier learns the alien language, revealing that... This alien that's been eating souls is dangerous, and then Xavier goes on to tease the Dark Phoenix saga. Uh, taste buds, this opens up right where, right with that green thing coming after them, and they try to stop it with just bullets. Like I guess that's yeah. the only thing you could do when uh, coming across an alien. Look at that ghost. Let's shoot it a bunch. <laughs> it looks like it's immaterial. I'll shoot at it. Every show that we have ever watched has at some point a row of eight dudes with guns, like Superman yeah. and Lois. 
that was a specifically bad one because they all got shot into the air and became villainous <laughs> yeah. Krypton Kryptonite bad guys. But every show has the eight guys with the guns who are like, oh, we got this, I guess. And then you just start firing at something that is clearly not going to yeah. be affected by bullets. And you know what? I get it. Try once, but don't unload all your clips. Yeah. But they're like, let's give an E.T. Arriva's welcome <laughs> down under and start unloading their bullets. It's an alien. Imagine going to an alien planet and you're the villain, which I hope for all of us in our future. And they grab, they like, uh, grab the weapon and it's just tiny marshmallows and they start throwing them at you. Like, that's, that's what this is. Then Mike eats the bullets. <laughs> and it's Mike's feeding time. But yeah, so obviously all these people get got, including Jubilee. And we get Wolverine well, using this as an opportunity. Oh, yeah, but she gets got because Gambit's like, we gotta go. And Jubilee's like, dude, I know they were just trying to kill us, but we can't just leave people here for this thing. Jubilee's becoming the moral soul of the X-Men. And yeah. I kinda, I'm here for it. Well, above Gambit, which is not that hard. Like, Yeah, <laughs> above this smelly Cajun. I think that we're 10 days into Jubilee's time at the school about 10 or yeah. 11 days and she's already <laughs> shot past gambit but she she jumps in the way because it's about to get gambit mm-hmm. and then and this is when you see that her bond with wolverine is growing or maybe he would freak out if any one of his teammates or any child got because of an ex-lover because he just fucking what does he say it's so petty and nasty and great he's just like it's how's your revenge th- taste now eureka yeah <laughs> he's like look at what it's done and he's like holding her like lifeless body yeah. shaking it i'm like damn wolverine but- <laughs> Fucking Eureka's like, this is your fault, yeah. actually, because you <laughs> killed my dad. She responds in classic Karen style. Like, I don't even care. You shouldn't have killed my dad then if you didn't want, 40 years later, a green alien to come and like, kill some <laughs> 15-year-old. You should have thought of that. There is nothing going to get her down. Um, and then we get a hard cut. After this, we get a hard cut to Wolverine spitting game, or um, not Wolverine Beast at a museum spitting game. This was the most like, and this motherfucker is dressed up at a museum. This was the wildest thing they could have cut to. I feel like the thing that was cut was the scene right before this, where Beast is like, "What should I do tonight? Let's let's look at my list." And it's just uh, a, like a twenty-item long to-do list, and they all say, "Go to a museum," and he's just like, "Ah." <laughs> What have I done with my life? Go to the museum and enjoy the art. Go to the museum and hit on a woman until it's obvious she doesn't want me to talk to her. And that's the one he picked. That's the one. It's very clear in their dialogue. They didn't show up together. Uh Yeah. She was looking at a painting and he started to be like, did you know that this (laughs) artist comes from the school where blah, 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 blah. And she's like, I have no problem with you being uh, a giant, hairy, blue-haired monster. But the way that you well actually me about every single piece of art, I'm out, bitch. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. And then, so after this, we then cut back to uh, Wolverine and Eureka. Deathstrike. Just like insulting each other. Just clearly nothing resolved. And then we get, um, we cut between these happening and then where all the other X-Men are. So we get Scott and Jean on a date. And they're just <laughs> just trying to have a meal, which always gets interrupted. What I love about their date, what we don't see, but again, it's in the dialogue and how they talk to the waiter, is that they've been trying to finish a dinner here for five years. Oh, it's- and they literally <laughs> never have. Sydney knows, too. And I love <laughs> everything about Sydney. Um, I would love him to get his own episode. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what his backstory is. I did look up. He is based on Tom DeFalco, a longtime Marvel editor-in-chief. A very big character um lots of hair lots of volume 
Uh, not volume in the hair like he uses conditioner. I just mean he's a loud person <laughs> with a lot of hair. Uh, but yeah, they, they're like, sorry, Sydney, once again, for the 756th <laughs> night in a row, we have to leave dinner. In- Bag it up, my good man. <laughs> Don't serve us the drinks, sir. We can't have those. But then, Professor well- X, being the person that he is, not only the powers, but also the piece of shit, he was psychically there for a solid two minutes and waited <laughs> for Scott and Jean to be like, finally, this is our night and nothing will interrupt. <laughs> Scott, Jean, <laughs> I need you now. He just, he likes timing. He's so good <laughs> He likes dramatic it. irony. I want to I go back to that because it's sprinkled throughout, like you said, Cassie, the Wolverine and Eureka back and forths. There's a couple good digs. Uh, one, Wolverine's like, we got to stop this thing before it gets to the surface. And she's shocked that he would defend people who mock him and mm-hmm. think he shouldn't be alive and he's like yeah i'm not a piece of shit and then later he's like well x-men don't leave theirs behind she gets so offended that he said she did the thing she just did mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like you're not allowed to get offended over that it sounds yeah. like a lot of people i know who say very racist things and then if you say that they're racist they get so upset like yeah. you're not supposed to call me a racist <laughs> you can't do that but then like in between those when they're trying to um you know, they're going against the alien, kind of going against it, more running from it, except yeah. for eventually Wolverine tells Gambit to take Jubilee and run because adamantium well, is the only thing that could hurt it. So he stays And of behind. course, Gambit and Jubilee, or Gambit and Wolverine have a dick swing contest of who should run away with <laughs> Jubilee while the other one goes down versus the alien. And luckily yeah. at this point, the alien has turned itself into uh, Billy Crystal from Monsters, Inc. Just a straight up little green guy with one eye that they can all wail on. Like it's no longer yeah. this ethereal intangible thing. He just stands there going, "Where's Sully? Where's Sully?" Yeah. And every once in a while, either Jubilee's like, "Help me," or one of the reavers are like, "Help me." I can't do an Australian <laughs> ghost voice. No, that was it. You nailed it. Help me, and- mate. Help me. Yeah. Fosters. But it's during this um, encounter that uh, Yuriko does get got. She uh, goes down. And um, at this point, I think also the X-Men officially come somewhere in this, the, including mm-hmm. Xavier. We even get the man himself, Xavier. It was like, I'll, I'll show up for an alien. But that's mainly because he did want to explore the ship, apparently. Yeah. So, yeah, he does, like, Jean tries I- to read its mind, and she almost trips just, like, after reading a <laughs> <her> mind. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting point, though, about Professor X, that, like, if it's just a bruiser, another bruiser battle, right? If it's just another fight against Blob, there's no way that he's going to show up. He picks right. and chooses, because he's, like, part-time archaeologist, part-time, like, researcher, part-time trying to get famous or make money on stuff. And mm-hmm. he, I'm not knocking him from that. Like, from that. like I understand, like, the, the, the journey for knowledge, but also, you could probably help out when it's just the fucking Blob. And yeah. he's like, no, uh, I'm tenured. It's publisher parish. I need to wait until there's <laughs> yeah. alien writing on the space. <laughs> dissertation. Or actually help out and then explore the ship. He's like, hey, nope. you and me, Beast, the two smartest guys you might be able to figure this out, we're not going to help the fight. Let's go explore this ship. <laughs> and th- that's what he, what he uh, f- discovers, like you said in the intro, Cassie, is he goes, oh, no, we have to warn them. It's dangerous. Yeah, he <laughs> Motherfucker, they dangerous. know that by now. <laughs> They find out the alien is a bad thing. I'm like, what the fuck were you here for, bro? Why? And, and then, then, yeah, uh, go- going back to Gene, uh, this kicks off a thing that I... Like, there's a pattern of this thing that's been happening through the entire run of the series. Uh, 
Jean Grey is like, I'll use my powers. And then immediately, Professor X is like, Jean, no! <laughs> and everyone screams no. And then throughout the rest of the episode, just like throughout the rest of every other episode so far, it's just a series of X-Men telling other X-Men, do not use your powers. That is right. all that ever happens. Is ever, if, if Anybody is like, oh, I can do this thing. Absolutely do not do that. Oh, mm-hmm. we have to stand here and we have to wait for no reason, because you ab- you should not <laughs> wait use for the your theme powers. song to kick in. Well, yeah, Cyclops is about to shoot it because, and I think that's wise. He's like, "Well, bullets didn't hurt it, but my thing is a little different." Mm-hmm. And Wolverine's like, "Well, there's a whole lot of people in there." After Wolverine has tried to beat it up a bunch with a whole lot of people in there. <laughs> but what I want is for Gambit to be like, "Don't tell Cyclops not to use his powers," and then Rogue to come in to, and say to Gambit, "Don't tell Cyclops to not tell Wolverine to tell <laughs> Colossus to use his not use his powers." Well, and then here's why fuck Wolverine is uh he's like psych don't try to do anything we're gonna electrocute it you don't think that might hurt those souls at eight buster (laughs) wild it's truly wild the way they got where they did but yeah thanks to xavier he gets to read the alien language and he finds out that it is saying danger but also it was like an alien prison ship that was holding dangerous Mm -hmm. aliens and that one is a soul or spirit drinker so that's why it's holding all the spirits it goes topside for a bit, and then um, that's when they find out like it's in like a subway or some shit, so they electrocute it or something. And I don't yeah. know how they got to this conclusion, but beautiful, <laughs> beautiful minds. <laughs> and that's when like so this is the threat's all gone. Everybody's freed. You think everything's good until Wolverine and Yuriko are like Wolverine's like, "Hey, you still want to kill me? Or are we cool now?" And she's like, "You bet, I still want to kill you, but not at this time." <laughs> oh no, I love that honor system of like you save yeah. me today, I'll kill you tomorrow. it's the most ominous like you know i still absolutely hate your guts and then uh but i will let you live today so she departs and then we get um xavier sharing of what all he saw which is just like i think our future what uh, all the bad guys we're gonna see and how bad it's going to get and then we get the most epic (laughs) (laughs) what he shows is just a preview of the next the rest of the season because it's just a bunch of faces we have no idea who they are Mm -hmm. but we will yeah they're gonna be big Lalandra, right the Mm -hmm. is it the shyar yeah uh that he will eventually marry sorry cassie spoilers and then we get a little of inklings of dark phoenix but that is not all of the mentions of dark phoenix that we get throughout the rest of the episode can somebody please explain to me what happened in the last three seconds of this episode (laughs) It, it it's just like a title card over like a space picture that says coming soon the phoenix saga and it's not comic sans but it might as well be and it's like it's like if your mom if you had a presentation to give at work and your mom was like oh i'm good with photoshop let me help you right. and like you can see the background of the title like there's a like a light square around like coming soon pops up and you can see the square <laughs> that it's in this was what? insane what doesn't make sense, other than the visuals, is uh, that means nothing to new viewers, like the kids who are watching this mostly. So maybe comic fans, this is so, and you know, I have another podcast doing bits. Uh, Cast Up More is a big part of Love Island because it's where they force everybody to try to cheat. And the first couple seasons, they never said coming soon, Cast Up More, because it would have meant nothing to the viewers. Mm-hmm. But now that we know what it is, a few episodes before, they always give a little hint. Very similar. It's just like a flickering sign that says Cast Up More, the way this was a flickering sign that said the Phoenix Saga. They, you, you, they went it's so hard. meaningless. <laughs> it's like if the end of the last season, they're like, coming soon, the Savage Land. You'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, it, cool. it's sure it's okay. But like, it also looks like they said, uh, this episode airs live. 
in six <laughs> minutes. You have six minutes to put this title card up. And knowing what we know now, because of all the research that we've done and some interviews that we've done, uh, we know that the Dark Phoenix Saga came off Saturdays and was on weekday afternoons for five days in a row, which is an incredibly right. big deal back then. Mm-hmm. And so you can totally see somebody saying, somebody, some exec saying, pimp this more, you know, like make sure, like yeah. make this a bigger deal instead of just Professor X's crazy non <laughs> yeah, fever dream. Yeah. Uh, give us something that like builds us up. And that little title card is what they came up with. <laughs> Shouldn't the title card have said, hey, Tune in at three thirty every info. day next week. <laughs> it was like no, a it, business card that doesn't have a phone number or an email. Yeah, address. it just says the Monster Squad. It was a big explosion. It just said Phoenix Saga, and yet I was so pumped. In, uh, in an episode that I thoroughly enjoyed, it was much better than the previous episode. Uh, I couldn't think about it at all. All I could think about was that coming soon exclamation mark the Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix Saga. Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, but that was it for the episode, so which means it's now time to go to awards. Um, we're going to start it off as we always do with most 90s thing. Ryan, what do you got for it? Uh, my most 90s thing was Sydney's look, Sydney the waiter. Um, <laughs> he, he was wearing a bunch of random clothes uh, that <laughs> I think that's what makes the 90s. Like, uh, here's three scarves. Here's two pants. Uh, call me in the morning. And uh, also Tom DeFalco is like the... Marvel guy of the 90s. So I think it was Sydney in general. Sydney looking so <laughs> upset that his customers were leaving. By the way, if you've ever been a server, you don't give a fuck that your customers are leaving. You're actually yeah, you're stoked happy. about it. They're uh, still paying for dinner and your table got turned. But he was like, God damn it. He's been wanting to serve him for so many years and he just hasn't got the chance. <laughs> That's not uh, true for any server. No server <laughs> wants for to Sydney. serve people. <laughs> Mike, what about you? Uh, there, it's a... a Banter dialogue goes back and forth that feels so 90s like sitcom, but it's here. When Xavier and them show up, he just goes, and this is to Wolverine, and he says, an old friend. She wants me dead. And so- Scott says, and why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah. It's just ripped from friends. What up, what up, what up, Yeah, every once in a while, they just go for the full sitcom. Uh, for most 90s thing, I have an animation that could only happen in the 90s, and that's Xavier hovering or, hovering around with two passed out chicks on his wheelchair. Like, he came oh my just God. to carry these passed out chicks. But he does it so <laughs> casually. Like, he's in the middle of a sentence talking to somebody over here, and while he's looking at them, he just casually puts another bitch on his wheelchair <laughs> and keeps rolling around the sewer. Bring he's out like, your dad. <laughs> he was like, who's passed out? Throw him on my hover chair. I got alien shit to look at. <laughs> I love that nobody asked. They just were no. like, well, we're gonna force you to be helpful Charles I love how Cassie's vision of the 90s is we all roll around and put girls on carts that's how that's the 90s the binders was. full of women right? <laughs> and you know what I think it's accurate so I'm gonna give that point to me uh, let's move on to best gasp line uh, Mike what do you got for it there's no way it's not coming soon the Phoenix Saga <laughs> <laughs> come on did you really it, isn't that anti-gasp like if you were about no. to gasp doesn't it suck it back inside of you no, no, was I, I was shocked because we never. On the, yeah, on the Earth, how do you not gasp? Like, <laughs> it's a big deal. I don't know if you're still how you would still be listening to this podcast to this point, this episode, and not be watching X Men with us. But if you are just listening and not watching, please go to episode two of season three. It's the last ten seconds, and watch <laughs> this amazing title card come up. It's truly amazing, uh, Ryan. Is that what you got as well, or what do you got? 
No, I have a real one, Cassie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> mine is Professor X's visions. It's such a time honored trope to just be mm-hmm. like in comic books and cartoons of like, well, here's the animation we have for the future. Throw it in there at the end, and <laughs> it's it's mostly how shook Professor X is. And then how much the X-Men are, like, listening to him after he talks. I would never listen to Professor X, but he gets done with his vision, and he's like, guys, shit in space, it's pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> and then I gasped. That's a good one. Uh, for best cast line, I just have when they showed Beast covered up and in a full suit, because we've seen this guy go into surgery and not be covered up, but when he goes to a museum, he has decided that's when he'll fully cover up, and that is just wild to me. Still not wearing a mask in an enclosed place, though. Makes you think. Still not. Um, but, Mike, I think I got to give that one to you. Like, of course, Phoenix Saga. It, they just went so hard with it. You got to gasp. Um, let's go to best use of power. Ryan, what do you got for it? Um, after the spirit drinker, which is a name right after my own heart, uh, the spirit drinker gives up all the spirits that it's been taking. There's like a construction worker or subway worker yes. <laughs> lying on the ground. <laughs> And the, the, the spirit that gets put back into him, it does not go into his chest like most spirits would. It goes up into his balls. And, the, <laughs> and then he pops up back to life. It, and it's fast. Like the spirit d- dives directly up his nuts. And that's a hell of a power. To transfer through the balls is the power there. Yep. <laughs> Your classic spirit ball transference. <laughs> we all know that one. <laughs> all right, Mike, what do you got for it? Uh, it's so rare that Gambit's bow staff is helpful. Yeah. Uh, I want to give it to him is that he's like, well, we're not going to be able to just electrocute this ethereal being. And so he throws it through the green monster so the electricity can go up the pole and electrocute it. And I was like, hey, that was actually helpful, Gambit. Thank you. Up the yeah. pole is the same thing that the spirit did to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it goes up the pole through the spirit's nuts. And Gambit's bow staff is canonically metal, right? I think so, yeah. It like is the size of a quarter and then he presses yeah. it and it goes do 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 do. I think sometimes yeah. it's brown colored, but I think that it's right. supposed to be metal. So it all Rusty makes sense, colored. X-Men. It all makes sense, X-Men. <laughs> what doesn't fully make sense is Wolverine talked to Beast and was like, hey, that piece is on the track. And then all of a sudden Gambit was like, ah, oh, electrocute it. I know. I was like, I don't know how you got there, but I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> uh, best use of power. I have Wolverine's power of quips. And just the amount of times he told the alien to suck on this. He told the alien <laughs> specifically suck on this at least twice. And I was like, you crazy for this one. Um <laughs> But Ryan, you know what? I'm going to give ball power to you. <laughs> it's going to be ball transfers. <laughs> Let's go on to LVP. Mike, what do you got? Look, I like my boy, Hank, but Beast was mansplaining in a museum mm-hmm. and then went to help his friends and did nothing to help. He didn't actually help fight the monster and then he went to the ship and just looked around and went, this is crazy, Charles. <laughs> like, he fucking helped nobody. Yeah, literally nothing. I think he maybe picked up a passed out girl at some point, and I think that was the most helpful he was. And Professor X was like, no, no, that's my job. Put her on the chair. Put put her on the cart. (laughs) Ryan, what do you got for LVP? Um, I'm going to, uh, I have to give it to the whoever was in charge of making sure that we knew that Dark Phoenix Saga was coming. Uh, (laughs) The the effects designers, like whoever, whoever did that, I uh, was absolutely the least valuable player. And maybe I'm wrong because it's all I've been thinking about for the last week is just anytime anybody says anything like, oh, hey, you uh, can you come over to my house next week? And I will think 
coming soon, right into your house in the worst <laughs> graphics ever. But no, it's definitely those people. That should be an improvement to your life, and I'm insulted you put this as LVP. It's definitely not going to be that. For LVP, I have um, Cyclops for just standing there until Gene almost passed out, and that's when he turns into like shitty boyfriend mode who just has to attack whatever hurt his girl, and like <laughs> that's when he decides to come into action. It, just Cyclops, man. How much but, are you guys uh, waiting for a time where uh, Wolverine says something like, she wants me dead, and Cyclops is like, well, I can't say that I blame, and then in the middle of the battle, and all of a sudden his arm just gets ripped off. And he's like, oh, <laughs> why, why did I stop to say that comment? Um, Mike, I'm going to give that one to you, though, because, of course, mansplaining always. Beast, how dare he do that? <laughs> uh, all right, our final award is MVP. Ryan, what do you got for it? Uh, I actually picked Gambit. Um, I don't know how he knew what Wolverine and Beast talked about, mm-hmm. but you have to you have to give some credit to the person who takes away the final amount of hit points. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. he he really is the one who. And a lot of people did a lot of work. There's a lot of people, you know, under the title that uh, did a lot of things to bring that alien down. But Gambit's final thing, and I thought that he was pretty heroic through this episode, through the last episode kind of a dickhead but this episode of saving jubilee making sure to come back um you know he wanted to be part of the team part of the family uh cared about everyone i thought it was gambit i know that's a that's a guaranteed i'm not gonna get the point but (laughs) it normally is but he did make some improvements he wasn't a giant piece of shit which sometimes you just got to give him props for that because it's so rare uh mike what about you what do you got I'll see your piece of shit and raise you another. Uh, I'm going to give it to Wolverine. From Mm -hmm. the start of this episode to the end, he sees what's going on. He stays pretty cool, calm, and collected. He never stops mouthing off to Eureka or the (laughs) alien. (laughs) He could pop off to everybody, but like he keeps them all like alive for a while, and then he's the one who sees what will actually hurt the alien. Mm -hmm. Like... He he crushed it. This is like we're we're slowly throughout the last season. This season, you're like, oh, you're becoming the Wolverine. I understand why people like, yeah. and it's it's less forced centerpiece. I think in this episode, yes. and more organic centerpiece. Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, I also have uh, Wolverine as MVP. So you know the rules, Mike. You will be getting that point. But it is because he just keeps going back, no matter like how many times he got hit or whatever. He still made sure everyone was safe, and he kept going to fuck it up. So it's got to be Wolverine. What about all the times he looked down at Deathstrike's shirt, her chest, and he kept saying, "I'm the best." I mean, the best it there is at what I do. <laughs> like, yeah, MVP. MVP. <laughs> okay. We all get distracted. <laughs> all right. So if we go to the points, Ryan, me and you tied for one point. Yours was for ball power. Mine was for throwing girls on a wheelchair. So you know, I think you could say that about us every day. <laughs> It makes sense that we don't win this. Mike, you get two points. You win this week again. You're killing season three. Um, that is it for X-Taz, though, which means it's now time for the interview. It's not all the time we have for X-Taz. We got time for more X-Taz. Let's do more good. X-Taz. Always double up the X-Taz. So I'll start that interview right now. Thank you so much, Cassie. I am here with the one and only Willie Simpson. And Sonia Rappaport, host of Guys, Do You Want to Tell Me? Explain to us, explain to my audience exactly what you guys do. Uh, hey, Ryan. Uh, we are the hosts of the X-Men Task Podcast. That's X-Men, the animated series from the 1990s, for those who are unfamiliar. Although we have blown well past uh, X-Men, the animated series, and we're now starting our fourth animated Marvel series. Absolutely incredible. You guys are 
marathon athletes <laughs> in our head. Uh, there is no way that anybody who is listening to our show doesn't know. We have been we when quarantine hit, uh, we decided that there wasn't enough shows for us to watch, so we started doing X Men the animated series. Um, why did you guys? You know that you guys are about five years ahead of us. <laughs> what was the impetus to be like? Oh, this is this is a thing that needs to be a podcast. Well, uh, there's two answers to that question. One, it didn't exist, and by <laughs> when we started in 2017, early 2017, most podcast ideas were already staked out even then. And but there, I couldn't find a single one solely dedicated to the X Men animated series. So I was like, aha. And then uh, two. Um, I just I love that show. We just wanted to talk to that to somebody else yeah. besides each other about that show, basically. So my entire life, I had thoughts on the show, and uh, <laughs> it just it just seemed like the perfect opportunity. There's not a single podcast that exists, and uh, you know, here we go. And and so then we just d- dove right in. And it, the sad thing was. There's five seasons of X-Men the Animated Series and just ended way too quickly. And then we had to think of something oh, else yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think – I don't – when we started, we didn't necessarily think we were going to be doing other series. But it was so nice, like, a little community formed around the podcast of people, like, from all corners of the globe. And, like, got some really good conversations going um, in just, like, a Facebook group. Basically, people, like – post funny opinions and memes and it was just like so fun <laughs> that we just decided to keep going so we picked some other shows to yeah. do. And it coincidentally like tied up nicely with the 25th anniversary of the X-Men animated series where like right in our first season, our first year, you know, the the creators of uh, X-Men Task reached out to us, Eric and Julia Leewald, and then we started talking to a bunch of other people involved with the creation of the show and uh, you know, we were able to interview them. And it was just like this weird thing where it, it slowly started to be celebrated online in a, in a nice little burgeoning community. So it, it was, it's just a nice, beautiful thing. <laughs> As my podcast goes from reviewing all TV shows based on comics and becomes closer to yours and it's X-Taz focused, um, I actually am interviewing Eric and Julia in a couple days. Mm. They seem like just awful mean mean people uh do you have any advice for me about how i should handle them um no you're totally wrong uh, <laughs> they're super sweet uh i apologize you know when i reached out to them i thought i was just being annoying at first and then uh-huh. and then they're like no we'll do your show i was like oh my god really and i apologized again and they're like why are you apologizing and then they sent me gifts in the mail like <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, they're really wonderful people. Um, they're uh, really great to talk about the show, which it just it, the show just feels like. The more I think back on it, the more it just feels like a unicorn, uh, just something yeah. like special that just glided like over our lives and um, was really special. And so they, they them being the progenitors of it, it's just it's just like it was just really nice to hear from that like actual real people worked on it. <laughs> I mean, I think also we don't claim to be experts about anything that we talk about really on our podcast it's pure enthusiasm and that is all and like julia and eric leewald you know they are legitimate experts but they match us in enthusiasm at, at the same time so it, just, enjoy it will be yeah a joyful experience <laughs> that's an incredible point because yeah i do think that yeah i, I understand Willie, really where you're coming from about being annoying but you can just tell even if you just follow them on social media like 
they're addicted to the enthusiasm of the fans. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you can yeah. just tell that like they get jacked up when other people get jacked up. So of course they want to do the podcast and talk to people whose lives were changed. I mean, that may sound stupid because it's a kids show from the '90s, but lives were changed. You know, the other thing I like about it too, related to Eric and Julia, is we pretty much are the only fans. Not us, particularly me and Sonia, but I mean everyone in our generation. That grew up with the show. I, I I'd like to think now with the show being on Disney Plus that it's going to reach more people, and I think it is. But it's just like it's sort of like a you had to be there kind of thing. You had to be a certain age for the most part, and everyone who grew up that's still thinking about the show, they just all seem like uh, very kind, nice people that have a lot of a lot in common, value wise, and just sort of seeing the world wise and pop culture desire wise. And that's something we really have taken to heart in doing the podcast is that. We just sort of found our people from that time, and we're all kind of grown up now. And it's there's something a little sweet to me about that, you know? I think that the show is earnest, and I think that earnestness is a rare quality these days. And I think what that means is that it's very easy to make fun of. <laughs> and so if – and on my show, me and uh, my co-host Mike and Cassie, we – I think sometimes dabble in it, but it's – we love it so much that we're not making fun. We're just wallowing in the crazy, chaoticness of the show. Yeah, that's fair. What? <laughs> as as you as you guys' age right now, and as you guys as you know, eleven, ten, when, however old you were before, what is it about specifically about the show that you think carries on at least with the people who were there? Um, I think I think it still holds up. I think the the good episodes are still good. And, uh, you know, there's definitely, like, not, some not-so-good episodes in there as well. But for the most part, I think it's still extremely watchable. And actually, from the standards of however people judge the Marvel Cinematic Universe now, I think it compares really favorably. And in some ways, mm-hmm. even might surpass it um, in terms of, like, exciting storytelling and even acting, dare I say. Uh, I always make this point in the podcast that I, I still think that X-Men the Animated Series, of all Marvel things out there, of like live motion, if you want to include cartoons and live action stuff, X-Men the Animated Series is still like amongst like the most quality Marvel live motion stuff you're going to get, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, I might be a deluded fan, uh, but I just, something about the voice acting, the cast, and there's a, there definitely, I think, was a sophistication to the writing and the show was serialized too, like in an era where things, there you go. especially like not children's content, was not serialized. I mean, even Batman, uh, the animated series, which I love and I think, like you know, Gun to My Head is better. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It didn't have X Men. Still differentiated itself because um, it was serialized and it, it sort of like demanded a lot from the the kid audience. I mean, I think it does go back to what you said about it being earnest when you watch it. As an adult, there are things about it that are kind of, like, embarrassing about it, where you're just like, it's too much honesty, I can't take it. But as a kid, I think you really look for that, because you're young and not jaded yet, so it makes sense Mm -hmm. to you that the characters speak that way and that the dialogue is written that way. And as an adult, there's something kind of, like, nice about it. Even, yes, you can make fun of it very easily, but, like, I still, I don't know, I like the earnestness of it still. I I also, too, Ryan... um, I like that it's a show about adults for kids, mm-hmm. which I think is something that's missing in a lot of modern media aimed at children, is that like the main characters will be children, or there'll be a, a child 
uh, like a main child character that is really the star of the show, and it's the ki- you get the kid humor and the kid perspective. I just remember distinctly as a kid, not in, wanting to be a kid. I didn't want to be Indiana Jones Jr. I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I didn't want to be the like the teenage Ghostbusters. I wanted to be Peter Venkman. And the X Men. Hell, I'll take it a step <laughs> yeah. further. I wanted to be Sean Connery. <laughs> I wanted to be yelling at Indiana Jones from my rocking chair. Yeah, I mean that's a good perspective too. And I, the thing, another thing that like, and again, this is just me. Like, you know, I did a podcast. We did a podcast on the show. We love the show. I do think it's like a good, weird workplace drama about a group of adults too. There's like many scenes where they're just hanging out in their various X Mansion office spaces. Very realistic. And. <laughs> I don't know what it is like you just watch certain scenes and just the way the the adults in the room communicate with each other drinking a cup of coffee at times it's just it's so well done and so well performed and acted and it has such a nice pace to it and yet i gotta they're mutants go ahead, with like crazy superpowers and they have to go battle aliens in outer space and stuff like that <laughs> for me i totally agree like um I love every aspect of the show, but when I start hearing the theme song come in towards the end, and I know that there's about to be a battle, that's when I start looking for my phone, and I'm, I'm going to like do something else. It's when it's in the beginning of the episode when Storm walks in and just like, who didn't clean the coffee pot? I'm like, yes, Aurora, <laughs> yell at them. Who didn't clean the coffee pot? I mean, we'll- look at the chore chart, X Men. Yeah. Wolverine not getting enough sleep. Um- you know, Gambit and Wolverine fighting all the time. You, see, that's another thing, too. It's like, I like that there's two very similar characters. Gambit and Wolverine, both very cool loner types. And on, on one way, if you're thinking about, like, a large ensemble show, you want to think about balance of personalities. And here you've got two very similar ones. And it just works. It's like, oh, it's awesome to have two loner badass types together and, you know, ruffling each other's feathers. And I, I don't know. It's just like... Uh, I, I, there's just some like very special thing I mean, about that show. They're all badass types. That's the thing. The yeah. The <laughs> only one on the X Men really who's not a badass is Jean Grey, and like she's super powerful and she just is kind of meek. And that's like the closest you get. <laughs> well, to but she who's... becomes a badass. She has her moments for sure in right. the Phoenix Saga. Yeah. Sonya. She does, but for before the Phoenix, because I'm not there yet. Right. You guys have right. finished and moved on to five other cartoons. We're only we're not even halfway through yet. But so far, pre Phoenix. Um, she's like the one who they when they go to battle they need to bring a fainting couch yeah. <laughs> because anytime exactly. she says anything she's just like she gets the vapors and she falls over completely and then everyone runs up to her Jean like so <laughs> alright guys it is time for speed round um, a lot of our interview guests have been really struggling with speed round and not and taking way too long to answer oh no so there's a new rule tonight for every one that you answer within the time limit I am going to donate a dollar to the charity of your choice. Every time that you take too long, I'm going to, to donate a dollar to the My Pillow guy. No, <laughs> in your name, it will say from Willie and Sonia to the My Pillow guy. Okay, uh, Sonia, we're going to start with you. All right. In all five seasons, best X Men character. Storm. Storm. Why? Um, I mean, it's the obviously correct answer, but why? <laughs> she has um, a lot of agency and intellect and she's like a really excellent leader and a wonder to watch okay extra points for Sonia because she said excellent starts with an X that's extra points Uh, Willie best character in all five seasons of the show Uh, I mean like uh, canonically my answer has been Cyclops because I had glasses as a kid and there's like a, a great joke in the Simpsons where Milhouse uh, only wants to buy comic books from like Glasses Man 
and I really related too hard to that as a kid. Um, but just thinking about it right now, I'd have uh, it to me. It's like Beatles songs. It's like you know, you just go through different phases. Uh, right now, I'm just really loving Gambit. Uh, okay, I think he's just like he's just so uniquely such a strange character to have on the, a show for kids, and they were really true to him in the comic book form just a strange guy a cajun man who's a thief with a mysterious background he's got really cool powers i still i hate any other animated show movie or video game that has shown gambit's powers the best that's ever been done is on x-men the animated series it just looks right everything else looks crappy um and uh just wonderfully voice acted and just uh just love everything about gambit it's a fine answer, but I do want to just warn you. It's been five years since you've watched it. A lot of Me Too stuff has happened since then. <laughs> Gambit. Gambit is a creep. Oh, in some no. Point, so just watch out for that one. Oh, we talked, uh, about, we talked about Gambit's workplace sexual harassment lawsuits that yeah, he would be suffering. That's true. Yeah. yeah. The HR at, in the X Men office is working full time on Gambit. Uh, Sonya, worst character, who is the least valuable player in all five seasons? Just annoying or worthless, or however you want to take the question. Toad. Gotta be Toad. <laughs> Wait, you mean are you, you're toad? talking about X Men Evolution? Oh, yeah. I am. I am talking about X Men Evolution. <laughs> That's how bad Toad is in X Men Evolution. We That's just finished true. that series. That's true. Actually, I guess in X Men Task, maybe it's Leech. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, one of the more the episode I listened to you guys today. Uh, I was listening to you guys earlier, and it was from a Leech episode, and mm-hmm. you had not kind things to say. <laughs> Although you did talk shit on Wolverine because Wolverine was a little disrespectful making fun of Leech's appearance which come on Wolverine yeah. we're all yeah, on the same team yeah. exactly he's a little insensitive sometimes but uh, alright we'll go with Leech Willie least valuable player uh I, I'm only saying this just because I want this message spread on as many platforms as possible um Professor X uh, he is just a terrible therapist, like, and he <laughs> he's responsible for the mental health of all the X Men and, and mutants at large. And his form of therapy is totally insane. He t- he takes you through a psychedelic uh, nightmare hellscape through your own mind, forcing you to confront your demons in 3D with like full audio. And uh, his solutions uh, never work. It just seems to make uh, people's mental uh, neuroses worse. He just locks you in like a brick room with your d- deepest, darkest nightmares, <laughs> <laughs> never seems to be let out. <laughs> it always backfires. The person has like a violent freak out, and I'm, we just were always commenting on what a terrible therapist Professor X is. It's for their own good. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I mean, in the original comic books, they were all like 16 years old that he was doing this to. Right. Like, and he had a crush on like, Jean Grey in the comics, too. And, yeah. Oh, and was that not subtle at all? Like, every time she left the room, his wheelchair would just turn and watch her walk away. Thank goodness they wrote uh, that out of the And series. the only reason he thought it was inappropriate was because he was in a wheelchair, not because uh-huh. he was 40 and she was 15. Sonia, first nerd item you bought with your own money. Ooh. Um gonna have to be oh i bought a red sonia comic um from like the scholastic book fair at school <laughs> you get one of those like newspaper pamphlets where you get to like the two-page pamphlets where you get to look up yes what but the, she wasn't the in there she wasn't in there she was only in person and i was quite taken with her <laughs> but she spells her name differently she does but it's okay okay <laughs> willie what about you um i mean I'm also an enormous Beatles nerd, but I know it doesn't exactly count. So, the, but the first thing I ever really bought was the Yellow Submarine album. Uh, but I'd say, like, the primary thing I bought in terms of comic books was the. Um, it was probably a Spider-Man comic with Deathlock on the cover, which was a very weird. 
comic, and it had like a mini comic of Spider Ham in the in the back of it too. Which uh, and to this day, I kind of hate Spider Ham. I was not like one of the nerds oh, celebrating. That's not a popular opinion. I know, that. I know. I was not one of the nerds celebrating his appearance in the the Spider Verse movie. I just I never liked that comic as a kid, and uh, I was always annoyed that that was part of my Spider Man and Deathlock comic book. Uh, Deathlock's daughter was in a comic book a couple years ago. Oh, yeah. Do you know what her name was? No, what's her name? Deathlock it. <laughs> That's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. All right. I'll, Willie, I'm going to go to you first, so give Sonya time to think this time. Uh, first crush on a fictional character. You're going to me first? Yep. Uh, Rogue and Storm. Uh, when we were kids in the 90s, Ryan, they had all these like completely pervy like oh, yeah, bikini bikini comic books uh, <laughs> literal swimsuit editions <laughs> yeah. with drawn comic book characters and, right i mean it's just in rogue and storm are in them amongst other superhero f- female characters and uh i just have distinct i never i wasn't it's not, i wouldn't say i wasn't allowed to buy them i probably just had too much shame to actually buy it <laughs> but i've never standing in the comic book store looking through them for, when i was nine years old uh just uh, i I remember seeing Psylocke and just being like, what is happening to me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, why am I sweating? Uh, Sonia, first fictional character crush. Uh, it might have been Colossus, actually. <laughs> From the same swimsuit issue? Oh, no. I, I think remember. he was in those. Uh, oh, really? I don't remember oh. him being in a swimsuit. There was one where but... he was holding a surfboard with Jubilee on. I remember this issue way too well. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Um, I don't know why exactly. He just, uh, he was a nice... He's the nice guy. I like when the nice guys win. <laughs> oh my god! Did you guys see the dresses? All the outfits from the X or the Hellfire Gala? Uh, no, I don't. Th- In comic books? No. Okay. Oh. You got to go look at that up because Colossus. My god, his mesh shirt with like a big fur coat. You got to see it. <laughs> I, I believe. Uh, yeah, go on. Sorry. Final speed round question, Sadia. Have you ever dressed as a character for Halloween? And if not, who would you go as? <laughs> Um, I'm starting to feel a little like name narcissistic or something, but I have dressed as Sonya Blade from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh, somebody has a thing. <laughs> it's not, I swear. I just anyway, yes, that was a costume that I wore. Um, wow, Willie, who'd you go as? Uh, Indiana Jones one year and a Ghostbuster another when I was a little kid. Uh, I did buy a really cool Cyclops like mesh. Uh, sweater shirt thing that kind of looks like one of his uniforms and uh i posted a picture on our facebook group so that's like the closest i've come to cosplay but it's not mesh what what, what, (laughs) some kind of material anyway (laughs) yeah mesh would be a whole different halloween party bro (laughs) i don't know uh yeah so nothing nothing not really into cosplay though no no why but if you were what do you guys who do you guys feel like you would who was your essence would go into if you were going to like let's say there's a comic con this weekend and no covid and you guys could go i mean f- oh yeah but i'm changing the question yep. it's a couple's costume <laughs> gambit and rogue duh <laughs> gambit and rogue and who is who <laughs> well more realistic we'd be we'd be hank and peggy hill i think we could pull that off <laughs> and i think awesome. i That's think true. for me i would be beast because i'm i've always been hairy ever since i was like four years old i had very hairy legs which was <laughs> <laughs> Quite shameful for me. <laughs> well, Willie, this is a family podcast. I didn't know you'd go blue. Well, <laughs> uh, guys, we are almost out of time. Can you please let our listeners know exactly where you guys are coming from uh, as far as your podcast goes and where we can find it? Sure. Uh, look up uh, wherever you uh, podcasts are to be found. X-Men Task Podcast. That's X-Men T-A-S Podcast. 
Uh, it rhymes, and um, uh, we did, again, we did the first season of X-Men the Animated Series. We've done the entire Spider-Man Animated Series. We have now completed X-Men Evolution, uh, which um, is a show we had, like, no real nostalgia for, but we've just now gotten to a sort of completist mindset. And just now we've begun, we're taking a little break. We're going to do Wolverine the X-Men officially next, but we're doing a nine-week break to do Marvel's What If, because we want to exist in the zeitgeist just ever so briefly, <laughs> if we can. Every once in a while, yes. to see what that's like. Right. Yeah. So episode uh, one's out right now, and uh, yeah, so find X-Men Test Podcast. And what did you guys think of the first episode? Eh. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, uh, I mean, so I... But she kicks so much ass. <laughs> I, I thought... I thought I just I think I have a real high bar for Marvel. What if I think that you could you could be a lot more creative than they were at least in the first episode, and I thought it was just too much of a beat for beat uh, retelling of Captain America one. Um, you know, I, I just thought it was kind of lazy in a way. I have a real yeah. problem when they take like a character or storyline that belongs to a male and then just like substitute a female and be like. Look, it's female empowerment. Like it felt like that to me. And I'm like, cool if you want to do something like with Peggy. Like, awesome, but like, let her have her own story. Why does right. she have to? And she did. She had. I mean, fans were annoyed about that. Now you mentioned we didn't bring this up on our podcast, but uh, fans were upset that Marvel's kind of erased the Agent Carter show. They don't really mention it in its promotional materials for this new What If and episode. It's, yeah, it's a good ass show. It was good. Yeah, Agent Carter rules. Really, yeah, really good. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. That is the X-Men Taz Podcast, T-A-S Podcast. Please look for it wherever you buy your podcast. Willie and Tanya, thank you so much. <laughs> thank anytime. you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. And I will be the, I'll be the Bobby to your Peggy and Hank anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. We are back from that interview. Ryan, I d- sometimes I'm not always sincere when I say this. That was a great interview. You did Thank great you. on that one. That was a good it, one. It was so nice to talk to somebody else other than you two idiots about X-Taz. And the way that this episode folded out, we did 20 minutes of X-Taz talk before we did 20 minutes of X-Taz talk. So <laughs> That's perfect. That, d- d- what, what about that last line? Did you guys think it was as creepy as I said? It was pretty <laughs> creepy. I'm going to go listen to it on repeat uh, to figure out what your whole deal is. Just, that means masturbate, just so everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, I had some worries about still being your friend, but uh, you know what? We got a contract in this podcast, so we'll stick through. Friend um, contracts. That's friend, the way to go. <laughs> friend contract. We also got a contract for the show, so at the end we always got to do plugs, which includes websites. Mike, can you tell us about those? Head over to yourpopfilter.com for everything we make. Throw a slash Amazon at the end of that, and that is how you shop. That is yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. If you're like, I still want more from this collective of people, go over to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. Pick a tier, get some extra content. It's so much fun, and it really, really helps us. And Ryan, can you tell us about the other shows? The other shows that we've done on Superhero Show Show? Yeah, all of them. Okay, so... Do you remember every single one? Started off 2015, focused on Gotham, Mm -hmm. right? With Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Then episode two, we this is episode three hundred eighty-two. So, mm-hmm. episode guys, two. buckle in because this bit <laughs> that no one thinks is I'm real is going to take a really long time. <laughs> and you know, Mike's just going to sit there and listen to all this. So, mm-hmm. no, all right, tell us about the other shows on the network. 
the other shows on the network are, of course, Movie of the Year, where me, Mike, and our good friend Greg sit down and try to figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. We are still in 1975. It's the longest it's year, canonically. Almost a year, <laughs> and uh, but we're getting close. Uh, the other show that we've got rocking on Pop Filter right now is, of course, Doing Bits, where Mike and his good friend Renee... <laughs> we're good friends. <laughs> I would say Whose that. hair he smells... Uh, we'll sit down and talk about all of the goings on, the ins and outs, and I the ins and outs of I mean that more than one way. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're fucking <laughs> sexually. Of <laughs> uh, the hit TV show Love Island, UK, UK. No, I'm saying you're you UK, decided bro? to do this podcast, UK, bro. I'm okay, UK? okay. <laughs> and then, of course, if you need some more, Cassie, uh, go to un- search for Unnatural Twenties, where Cassie and two of her friends. Uh, try to get through their 20s uh, with the role of a D20. And uh, their best episode of all time was very recently put up. So I would listen to that. Yeah, we got some other fellow youngins on the pod to help us out on that one. Um, We also got social media. We're at Your Pod Filter on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, We got an email as well. It's contact at Your Pod Filter. Go ahead and email us any of your thoughts. Uh, If you're watching these shows, let us know what you think of them. Next week... We got a big episode. It's so big, you guys. We got the season premiere of The Walking Dead. Ooh, how excited. Can't get more exciting than that. Actually, we can, because we have an interview with Erica and Julie Leewald, who helped create X-Men, the animated series. That's right. I can't believe in the same episode where we got that interview, we will be talking about The Walking Dead as the main event. It's happening, though. You've got to be sure to tune in for that. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone. And what Willie and Sonia from the X-Men Taz... And what Willie and Sonia from the X-Taz podcast...